Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning to each and every one of you. Casey McAllister, Paul Fritchner, Reed Mouse, gentlemen, good morning. How are you today? Everything's groovy, beautiful sunshine, no complaints. You guys all right? Fantastic. Doing good, Tom. Fantastic. All right. Yeah. Reed's in the house, Mouse in the house. Mouse in the house, just part of Nutcutter Nation. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, everybody in the chat has jumped all over that. I think it's got staying power, Tom. I really do. I think you might be right. Uh, based on, uh, you know, all the early chatter. Might be right. Chad jumping right in. Nutcutter Nation. Here we go. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10A to high noon P. Right, Paul? That's right. 12 P. No more AM, PM, just A or P. You said that's part of your regular jargon now. That has slipped into my everyday vocabulary. That's exactly right. Well, good. You can join us every day uh, on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. You can find us in podcast form. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. And as we like to say as well, you're dialed in. Baseball in San Diego. Last night was the way baseball it's supposed to be. No, not necessarily for the Red Legs. But nonetheless, big-time atmosphere, star-studded team. They're only playing around 500, but, I mean, they got stars everywhere. And then you get a win for the home team in front of that kind of crowd. They were fired up due to the return of Fernando Tatis Jr. to Petco Park. Remember him? He was given virtually a lifetime contract before last year, got hurt, was suspended for PEDs, and now he is back. Last night was his first home game after returning while they were on the road. Tatis Jr. had three hits, scored a run. And it's an 8-3 decision. San Diego over Luke Weaver and the Reds. For Tatis, his first home game since September of 2021. Game two is tonight. Graham Ashcraft opposes former Cardinal Michael Waka. First pitch. 940p on the hardwood no mr Embiid, right no Embiid. no no Embiid for the sixers last night game one of its second round series against the favored and very much disliked boston celtics so you're figuring big trouble right nope james harden who's never won an nba title and he's played on some good teams Turned in his best postseason game of his Hall of Fame career. Pours in 45. Now let's go back to the final seconds of this game. We got everything ready to go? Yes, we we do. do. All right, we got Boston up by one. A chance to extend the lead with 41 ticks remaining. Watch this pass. Tatum, no. Maxie, yep. Oh, boy. Here you go. Lay it in. So he lays it in. But Boston did come back down to score and take the lead. Yep. Right? That's right. So here we go. Harden with a basketball. 18 seconds remain. This is vintage James Harden. Not necessarily in the playoffs, but throughout most of his career. Guy in his face. Bang. Incredible. It was pretty incredible. That's a 119-115 final. Embiid is nursing a sore knee, which he injured in very late April. 
and still no word as to if he will play game two. The story, meanwhile, was not so good for another guy like Harden who's never won an NBA title. That would be your guy, Chris Paul, Paul Fritschner of the Phoenix Suns. Paul hobbled off the court in the third quarter. His team was ahead when he got hurt. It turned into a Suns game two loss in Denver. Paul with an injured groin. Denver has won the first two games of that series. The Suns have lost back-to-back games for the first time since acquiring Kevin Garnett and him being in the lineup. That series is over. D-U-N done, especially if Paul is hurt. Tonight, Miami looks to go up 2-0 on the Knicks. And certainly the most intriguing series, and they're all really good series. We talked about it yesterday. But the one that people, if you can stay up late enough to watch it, and it doesn't start until 10 o'clock, once more, LeBron James v. Steph Curry going toe-to-toe in a postseason series, bringing back memories of Cleveland and Golden State. It's Game 1, Lakers and the defending champion Warriors tip-off, as I mentioned, 10 o'clock tonight. The New Jersey Devils won for the first time a playoff series since 2012, taking Game 7 of their opening round series 2-0 over the New York Rangers. Tonight has a pair of opening game series round two. Florida, after stunning Boston, will play at Toronto. Seattle plays at Dallas. In football, after failing to address their offensive line issues in the draft, the Jets signed a veteran tackle. Billy Turner yesterday started seven games for Denver. That was under Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach. Hackett now the offensive coordinator in New York. He was a three-year starter prior to going to Denver, playing in front of Aaron Rodgers, who's now with the Jets while they were in Green Bay. So let's first start, gentlemen, with the Red Legs. San Diego's a good team. They're not playing like a very good team. They're only a couple of games over 500. But, I mean, they've spent money like drunken sailors, even though they're not a big market team. They have an owner who's just spending a ton of money and they're barely over 500. You figure that is going to change. So you're walking into a tough environment last night, no doubt. Great crowds, great ballpark, whole nine yards, and the Padres win game one of the series. I don't make a big surprise. San Diego's a better team. But I want to get to something, Paul, you brought up yesterday, and we heard from Bob Nightingale yesterday, Bobby Nightingale Jr., who covers the Reds for Cincinnati.com, but you know, nothing to worry about with Tyler Stevenson. You're watching these at-bats. God, they just look uncompetitive. I mean, it just looks like he's – something's off. I mean, it's not like he is on a crazy streak without a hit. I mean, he, he has at least gotten a knock the last few games. He didn't have one last night. But if you go back the last few games, he has had a couple of multi-hit games. He's got a hit here. He's got a hit there. He still doesn't have a home run on the season. He's not hitting for a ton of power. Looks like he's not seeing the pitches very well. It just doesn't look very good. And – that's a tough thing to say when you're talking about a guy like Tyler Stevenson that you're counting on to be, you know, as big of a contributor as he, as you'd like him to be this year. You know, you ask yourself the question, the guy has missed so much time. And, and look, I think we all agree that uh, he has shown signs at times in a very short amount of time uh, to be a competitive, solid hitter. But he's also missed a lot of time. They've got him, you know, 
maneuvering around, a little first base here, a little DH there, catching a lot less than he's ever caught through his entire career. I mean, is this something, Reed Mouse, that's going to change for him? I, I don't know. The thing about Tyler Stevenson that is worrisome is the, the slugging numbers. I mean, you mentioned the no home runs, but in 102 at-bats, he's only got 33 bases, six, six doubles. Uh, 340, 265 batting average on base percentage from a catcher, that's great. Like, that's, that's a pretty good – that's a competitive catcher. But if, if he can't put the ball in the gap, if he can't hit, hit, hit it out of the park some more, you really got to worry about a person who was supposed to be a centerpiece of the rebuild, yep. Tyler Stevenson. I think most people looked at this team, me being one of them, uh, thought they were going to struggle offensively. And by and large, you know, outside of that gap where they didn't hit any home runs and they got swept by the Pirates and all that kind of thing, their offense has not been, has not been bad. Now, they're missing right. the home run ball. There's right. no doubt about that. Um, they have, uh, you know, I don't know where they rank in home runs, but they have to be near the bottom three, four in the league in all the major league baseball. They have to be, have to be, Uh, you'll pull that up. But, you know, look, uh, most of us were saying that if there are foundational players to this team, the two that would be in that mix would be India and Stevenson. Well, what happens if Stevenson's not? a foundational player. What happens then? And then a lot of people in the chat, and I'm curious to what you guys think about this because this is this has been this is not only before analytics. This has been going on for a long long time. Where you sit guys down and in this case Friedel and Fraley, left-handed batters, you sit them down whenever you play a left-handed starter. Now, Reed, you're a big baseball guy. You're yep. a baseball player. Okay, yep. here's what I could never understand. Um, and, and, you know, what little baseball I played, I was a left-handed hitter. I only can I, – I use that as an example because I've always wondered why. Why do left-handed batters struggle with left-handed pitchers? Right-handed batters don't struggle with – right now, you see more of them. That's right. a given, right? right? Probably 80% of the time. But with all this youth baseball – and showcases, and guys playing year-round, and all that kind of thing. If you're a left-handed batter, wouldn't you do something? Find some guy in your neighborhood, for crying out loud, right? Even a big league guy. You've got young pitchers around that you could find wherever you live, whatever it might be, to just throw you constant batting practice as a left-handed pitcher being a left-handed hitter. Why can't they hit him? It's... The main reason is the breaking ball, right? As you mentioned, you face so many more right-handers growing up. You face so many more right-handers when you're in college, when you first get to the pros, that you see this left-handed breaking ball. For the first time, the breaking ball is not breaking towards you. It's going away from your barrel. And that's very hard to overcome for a lot of left-handed hitters. It's a different angle that the pitch is coming in from, and they just really challenge. And you're seeing more and more lefties in the show, right? Yep. As you get to the minors, you really no start doubt. seeing more and more lefties drafted. So it is coming around, but it is one of the true mysteries of the game as to why lefties can't hit lefties. And I, I, the, the only answer I could come up with is that the breaking ball works away from you. Well, you know what? I, I think you're definitely onto something there. But, you know, you get into the old adage about these guys sitting down 
um, you know, would Friedel and Fraley, Friedel especially, have more competitive at-bats than the guys you're putting in for them? And I just think we're living in a day and age now where you sit down, you punch in the numbers to this computer screen, and all of a sudden it tells you they can't hit a lefty. So we're sitting them all down. Right? Right. To answer the question you had earlier about home runs, the Reds and one of the most hitter-friendly parks in Major League Baseball are 26th out of 30. They've hit 20 home runs. 20 home runs. They've hit 20 home runs. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, we mentioned earlier they got Graham Ashcraft today. They got a day game tomorrow. And then they have an off day after um, coming back from the West Coast, and they'll open a series on the White Sox. We'll have more on the White Sox uh, and a preview of them in that series coming up on Friday. All right, boys. Casey, are you ready? Tom, I've never been more ready. All right, we have uh, Paul Doherty coming up at um, 11. I want to talk with Doc today about something that he wrote, which I find quite interesting, and that is fandom in general, right? Um, All of us have teams we root for, whoever it is. Uh, And Doc, for those that have read his column through the years, whether it's with the Inquirer or it's on the morning line at Substack or the band that he's writing for now, whatever it might be, he grew up a big Pirates fan. And then when they made a trade back in, I think, 2016 or 2018, where they sent like three or four really good young players down to Tampa Bay for Chris Archer, he said, I'll never root for him again. I'm done. Now, imagine yourself whether you're a Bengals fan, Casey, whether you're, you know, whatever fan you are, Reed of the Cubs, Paul's a front runner, so we're not sure who he's rooting for most days. Um, Good point. It is, and you know what? Nothing wrong with that. But that's what I'm getting to here. And what Doc was getting to in his column we're going to talk about today. When do you finally say enough is enough? For whatever reason. You don't like ownership. I think a lot of Reds fans are in that camp right now. You don't like the fact that they're not spending money. You don't like much at all about it, except for maybe they're young pitchers, right? In Doc's case with the Pirates, they were just terrible forever. Bengals were terrible before Marvin came along, right? They were good there for a while at the start of the franchise. In fact, extraordinarily good with the start of the franchise. Paul Brown owned it. He coached it. They, they, they get, Sam, they, they get uh, Forrest Gregg in there. They get Sam Weish in there. They go to a couple of Super Bowls. They're going to the playoffs. Then all of a sudden, this black hole until Marvin shows up. And even though they didn't win a playoff game, they certainly were competitive. And you could understand someone spending their money on buying season tickets or buying tickets to go to one game. Marvin leaves. In comes Zach. First year, you know, they're trying to build this thing up. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they got it rolling down there. Okay? But we're going to talk with Doc today a little bit about what's it like giving up your fandom for a team. And when does the tide starts to turn? The question we're going to ask him is, what if the Bengals don't win the Super Bowl this year? What if the Bengals don't get to the AFC Championship game this year? Does any of that start now to wane a little because right now they have earned our trust they put together an excellent coaching staff they put together an excellent product on the field Um, they have big decisions to make no doubt about that monetarily on who they're going to keep and who's going to walk 
But right now you trust him. You trust their draft. You trust their decision-making. They go get Orlando Brown Jr. They're proving to you and me they're trying to win. And I mean win the whole thing. We also have Tracy Jones at 1130 today. But for the next roughly 35, 40 minutes, we are going to do our power rankings of the National Football League. If the season opened today with the draft is completed, we are going to offer our power 10, top 10 power rankings going into the year. And we're going to discuss a little bit about this with each team. We asked some of you to come up with yours. Want to make sure that um, there's, oh, you know, one thing that I didn't mention before we get to this, somebody brought up the, uh, the Kelly Cup continuing on, the Cyclones. They're big. I mean, I guess they're rolling, right? Game six, $2 beers tonight. Ooh. <laughs> Miller High Lives, Tom. $2 beers. I'm all in on that. Let's go. Off the bench group mentor. outing. Yeah, Joshua says, game six, Kelly Cup playoffs tonight. Let's go Cyclones. He didn't mention a thing. You were the one that mentioned $2 beers. Well, I mean, they can't draw. Is that a standing game. offer on a Tuesday night or every playoff game or what? Well, I think they're just trying to get more fans in there. They can't get them in there with the with the hockey. So two dollar Tuesdays, is that what they're doing? Is that the thing? I don't know. I haven't been to a Cyclones game since pre-COVID. I went. I, I just saw a post that said two dollar beers come and pack the house for Game Six. So those games are fun. Chad says Tom, all we ask from the Reds is just to try. What does that mean? Try, Chad. Tell me. What's that mean? Just try. Spend money. Bring up young players now. Use left-handed batters against left-handed pitchers. What's that mean, Chad? Fill me in. All right. Here we go. Sir Boy Wonder has given us his top five. And he is um, he has the Chiefs, Bengals, Eagles, Niners, Bills. I think we're going to see a lot of those five teams in our top fives. Agree? I would have to agree with that. All right, Casey, are we starting with you? We can start with me. All right. Um, let me just flash up my top ten or my top five first. Yeah, well, let's let's try to do it in that order. Let's go with our top five. We'll go to Paul. We'll go to Reed. We'll go to mine, and then we'll go six through ten. Is that cool? That's cool. All right. Obviously, I got the Eagles up very high. I have them as my number one team. I think. Not that I'm giving them much excuses. But I think you would give them a different field. Maybe the game's a little bit different in, can in that Super Bowl. I think they also had every chance to win that game. I thought they were the better team. I think they just got kind of unlucky with that one fumble in the Super Bowl that cost them the whole thing. So I think the Eagles also improved over the offseason. I really do. I think they went ahead and they just got more depth on the defensive line. Um, Philadelphia Bulldogs, man. I mean, they're they're scary, in my opinion. And then I got the Bengals number two. I think they've done a lot in terms of trying to either stay at the same level or just a little bit better, right? I think they've done enough to where, on the Chiefs, on the other hand, I don't think they've done enough to continue to stay where they're at. Um, I actually struggled to keep them at three. I thought I would push them down a little further. I think they're going to really miss having – they're starting uh, right and left tackle missing. They still haven't really addressed the right tackle spot. 
Um, they did address the left tackle spot, though. They did address the play. left tackle spot. Yes. And they are banking on his pass-blocking prowess to help them elevate that spot. But let me tell you, you're going to really miss that guy who could just destroy people. Orlando Brown Jr., he can really move some people. And then I got the 49ers. I, I just love that team in general. I don't think – you could put anyone at quarterback there, and it just seems like they're going to succeed. And this is more of a hope that Brock Purdy could potentially be the answer there. That's a guy you killed all year last year. I didn't kill him. I you, just wanted us Paul, to, did he kill him? I wanted you to no, slow down. Not a fan of Purdy. I was not. You, you killed I, the you guy. Wanted to give him, you wanted to give him a shot. You wanted I wanted to. to I, yeah, I wanted us to slow down. And this is me saying, okay, I recognize he had a really good season last year. I'm going to give him this shot to prove that he can be in the top five. You lit him up team. regularly. Regularly, Casey, but that's okay. You are I mean, a forgiving open, sort. He's throwing you... to wide open targets, okay? okay? And then when it mattered most, he, he gets hurt. So I don't, I don't know what we want me to say there. I mean, <laughs> uh, Cowboys. I just Ooh, that that's defense. A big is, one there. That defense is good, and with Mozzie Smith kind of shoring up the inside there, I, I I really like what they've done. I, after taking a closer look and seeing what their needs were. I really, really like what they've done. Maybe they kind of reached a couple times in the draft, but they addressed their needs. And I think that if everyone stays healthy on this team, they are just as good, if not um, better, than the 49ers, if you ask me. I think they've got enough defensive prowess. I think they've got enough firepower on offense to elevate this team. Okay. All right. Those are my top five. I think you have a couple of surprises in there, especially with Dallas. I think a lot of people are very, very surprised. Well, I, I understand what people, why people would be upset with the, or just, you know, think it's funny that Dallas is in the top five. But when you look at the roster top to bottom, I mean, maybe they won't win a championship. I'm not going to give them that much. Right. But they are the fifth best team in the league like, they, they have the roster that they can compete against anyone on any given Sunday, and they're going to win 11 to 12 games this season, which would put them at least in your top eight, yep. top seven. So, yeah, that's – I'm not saying that they're the this is a list of who's going to win the championship. This is just a list of, of the rosters I think are the elite rosters. There is one major omission in that top five, and you know who that is. Who would that be? Perhaps that team is in Paul's top five. Paul? I think they might be. I bet you they are. All right. Fire it up there, Casey. The Paul Fritz are in top there. five. Look at that. Went to Chiefs number one. They are going to be number one until somebody beats them, in my mind. The Eagles number two. Super Bowl from last year. Maybe should have won the Super Bowl. Threw them in there at number two. Bengals kept them three. I think they're they're a pretty firm three right now in my mind. Put the 49ers at fourth. 49ers just are always consistent. No matter what you do, no matter who's on the team, no matter what, they always just kind of figure out a way. In my mind, they're like the Ravens of the NFC. They're always just there. 49ers are fourth. 
And I put the Bills at fifth. I wanted to put the Bills fourth, but I couldn't get over the fact they haven't really done anything in the postseason. So I put the Bills fifth. That was a team that I was looking for there. That was not in your top five, Casey. Why not? Well, no, let me ask Paul first. Why are they in your top five? Uh, the Bills? Yes. Because I think they are the third best team in the AFC by a fairly wide margin. And I think that the uh, I'm not going to keep the third best team in the AFC out of the top five. Fair enough. And why don't you have them in, Casey? Well, if we would get to my bottom half, maybe you would. Oh, I will why. get to it then. <laughs> All right. Mr. Mouse in the house. Here we go. All right. The correct order of the top five in the Ooh. NFL power rankings. You got the Chiefs at number one. Listen, they're the reigning champs in the league. They've got the best coach in the league, and they've got one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. That's a no-brainer. Don't think too hard about it. Now, the Who Days at number two. Tom, I think they were the second best team in the NFL last season. They lost just one game after Halloween, and it was to the eventual champions in the AFC Championship game, a game that the Bengals had the ball and could have gone down and won. They've got the best free agent to help the line, and they added depth to the defense, and they have the second-best quarterback in the league. So I have them at number two. The Eagles at three, I feel like this is controversial. And the reason I have them at number three is I feel like we've heard this story before with a Philadelphia sports team. You know, they're loading up. You remember that Eagles team about a decade ago? The quote-unquote dream team. They go out and get all these free agents. Yep. Michael Vick's their quarterback. Andy Reid's their coach. They go 8-8. Eight and eight. They're not going to go 8-8 eight and eight this year, but it's a cautionary tale. I mean, you can even go to the other sports. The 76ers with their big three. You know, this team's the team to beat in the NBA. Didn't happen. The Philadelphia Phillies, when they had five aces. Remember the five aces? Roy Holiday, Roy Allswold, all them guys. It's a cautionary Cole tale. Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels, right. It is a cautionary tale for Philadelphia teams to be so highly touted before the season, so that's why I have them at number three. I think those three teams are undoubtedly the best team in the league, and I think there's a little bit of a cliff. And then the next teams, which is the Buffalo Bills at number four. They have so much talent. They can put you away easily and early, but frequently they don't because they rely on Josh Allen too much. That's their only knock. And don't let a postseason blowout to the Bengals let you forget how good this Bills team was last year. They only lost three games. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I have them at number four. Now, I don't have the 49ers in the top five, and that's because I use the Cowboys from the mm. NFC. And the main reason is we already brought it up. The 49ers, who probably have a slightly better roster, they got Brock Purdy at quarterback, and I – would rather have Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott's the second-best quarterback in the NFC. So if you're asking me who I'd rather take in a postseason game, give me the Cowboys, give me Dak Prescott over Brock Purdy. Okay. All right. Solid. All right, let me have my top five here. I have the Chiefs, no doubt, number one. Uh, No doubt. Um, Back to the comment made about until somebody beats them, they're the champs. Philadelphia, you know, I look at that team – Excellent quarterback. They've been there before. The defense is going to be potentially insane. They led the league in sacks last year, and all they did was go get Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. Ben Galley's right there. Excellent offseason. Uh, they're right there. Bills, 
Now, you know, the Bills, a lot of people are not talking about what the Bills did during this offseason. You know, most people who follow that team regularly feel like they have had a phenomenal offseason. They've improved their offensive line. They go out and get the big tight end, Kincaid, right? Yep. Who now all of a sudden another weapon. And this kid out of Florida, I say kid, he's a man-child. Guy's a monster. Wide receiver Justin Shorter. He now all of a sudden gives them a completely different element that they haven't had in their receiving core. You know, Diggs is out there, and he's a great player. But you don't need to hit the home run all the time. You need a guy that's going to present major problems for smaller cornerbacks and secondary guys. Shorter has a chance to do that. Kincaid's a hell of a player. And I really like Baltimore. I really like them. They're very well coached. They have Lamar back. They've improved the skill positions, which has been the biggest knock. And I know there's questions about Odell Beckham Jr. Is he going to be back to the player he used to be? Bateman is not pounded out as a number one pick. They still got an excellent running game and a solid defense. This is a good team. There's some questions at corner. But I think they very much, all I do, boys and girls, is go back to the playoffs last year, and you say whatever you want to say. The Bengals destroyed Buffalo the next week, but they were literally a miracle, miracle play away from losing in the opening round playoffs to Baltimore, a team that did not have Beckham, a team that did not have Lamar Jackson. They had a backup quarterback. And it took a 99-yard fumble return for a touchdown by a defensive lineman to win that game. 99 times out of 100, they're punching it in from the one, game over. And if they score a touchdown there, it's game over. Tom, if the Ravens didn't have Lamar Jackson, would they still be in your top 10? No, no chance. I agree. No chance. But look, light him or hate him, and I don't think that he's everything everybody thinks he is. But he is without question the most unique talent Mm -hmm. at the quarterback position in the league. Right? No doubt. I mean, no doubt. And I know that Danny Dimes, that's Paul's guy, elitist East Coast Duke guy, that, that, um, you know, he can run it great. Hurts can run it. Uh, Allen can run it. Nobody can run it like Mar Jackson. I'm not crazy about his passing. But he's not, had tight, he's not had a lot of big-time players, skilled players, to give him a chance to sling it around a little bit more. Um, so we'll see. All right. Ready for 6 through 10. 6 through 10, coming right up. I got the Bills at number 6, okay? I, uh, I, I understand what you guys are saying, that they've really loaded up on offense. My concern is not really with the offense. I think the offense was really high-powered last year. It just was. It was really good. But it's the defense. And they've struggled to stay healthy. They're getting a lot older. They lost their all-pro linebacker, the leader of their defense, right in the middle of their defense. And when it comes to the guys in the top five, they're going to expose what the Bills like to do on defense day in and day out, all day, every day. And I just think the matchups are just 
it's just too it's too much for the Bills to handle. They got to change something on defense if they want to actually make a, a serious push. They can't just stay in light boxes all day long, especially when their secondary is getting much older and injury raven or injury prone. <clears throat> Next is the the Ravens. I I agree with you, Tom. Uh, this team was very lucky to to move on, but but. I don't think the Ravens, again, addressed their biggest needs. Um, they, they needed to address their secondary. They needed to address their aging defense. What do they go out and do? They, they get a receiver. I, I love that pick, but at the time, we'll see what happens. I just, I'm not a huge believer in, in this passing game that's about to unfold. It's... I don't know. I'm just not – I'm down on the Ravens, um, but being down on the Ravens is being seventh on my power rankings. So yeah. that just attests to how good the Ravens are. Next is Seattle, man. I, I love what they did. They have an awesome trio of receivers. They have a, just amazing secondary now. They went out and got the best corner, a can't-miss prospect, and now you pair him with Tariq Woolen, who was probably – second best corner out of the rookie class last year just behind um uh the cincinnati kid from the from the jets i mean this seattle team addressed all their needs got out with some amazing steals in this draft i really love seattle this year and i expect them to take another step forward with geno smith i think geno smith showed that Pete Carroll's a, a quarterback whisperer. He just is. He can make any quarterback perform above their expectations. So I really like Seattle here. The Lions, we all know how I feel about the Lions from last year. They're, You're all in. Again, you put them in your top ten, you must be really all in. I'm all in now on, on this. I think they are they are primed and ready to make this push, not just to win the a NFC North, but to possibly make a serious push for – the NFC Championship. I wow. really love this Lions team. If the only thing that's going to determine whether or not they succeed going forward is Jared Goff's play. I think they've got enough talent around this team that if Jared Goff plays well, watch out. And then last but not least, I struggled at number 10 here. I thought maybe Chargers, maybe Jags, but I just don't trust either of those teams. And I think the Dolphins were just hurt a lot last year. Um, Tua just couldn't stay healthy, couldn't stay on the field. And I think that really hurt them down the stretch. And I just – I love their, their duo at receiver, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. I think their defense is underrated. I think the Jets are overrated. I don't think they did enough to help solidify that offensive line. I don't think they – really put anything that was game changer around Aaron Rodgers. And I understand Aaron Rodgers is going to be much better than, than uh, Wilson was, but I think this Dolphins team is just primed and ready if they're all healthy. Those uh, two of those teams, Seattle and Detroit. Interesting. We'll see if anybody else has those two teams yeah. in their top 10. Uh, before we get to mine, I do just want to say that is me in the chat. For some reason, I don't understand why this happens. If anybody knows how to fix this, please let me know. The little chat 
box on the right side of the screen, for some reason, like once a month, it becomes like a little tiny mini box and I can't read any of the messages. So that is me. That is my other YouTube account that I have. So I, I don't understand. It, it just it comes up, then it goes away. All right, fire it up. All right. Balls, All right. six through ten. This is All my right, six Paulie, through ten. here we go. I got the Ravens at six. Again, kind of like the 49ers. They always just hang around. They're just, they're just there. They're always good. Now Lamar's back. I trust Harbaugh. They're sixth. Cowboys, seventh. I, I don't I, – I struggled with even putting the Cowboys in this list at all. Yep. Because they just never do anything. They've won 12 games each of the last two years and then just completely lay an yeah. egg in the postseason. Yeah. So, I have I, – I struggled with putting them in this list at all. But then I kept going back to the fact that on paper they deserve to be in this list. So, I did. I put them in. I put them in at seventh. But they're not going to do anything in the postseason, just like they ever, they never do. Uh, but on paper, I'll put them seventh. Kept the Seahawks eighth, just like Casey did. Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence. I, I, I'll give the Jaguars a little respect here. I'll give the Jaguars a little respect on what they're trying to do down there in Jacksonville at nine and eight. And then I, I was as low as low can be on the Lions. And I'm still not sure that I'm really fully bought in on the Lions. But I'm going to keep them tenth. I... I struggled between going back and forth with uh, the the Lions and I'm trying to remember who the Dolphins at ten. I debated between the two of them, and I picked the Lions over the Dolphins just because I feel like if Tua gets gently laid down on the turf again and it happens yeah. to be on his head, he's going to retire. <laughs> so I the fighting Chris Fieldman's. You got a ten. I put them tenth. Yeah. Okay. All right. No New York Jets in there. That's two now. No, Jets. I'm out on No the, New York Jets I'm out in the on top the Jets. ten. We're going to break no. them down in a minute. Out on the Jets. All right, Reed Mouse, six through ten. All right, let's go. Let's rock and roll. Number six, I got Ooh. the 49ers. I had them missing the, the top five, and I already explained the reason why Brock Purdy is their quarterback. And I just want to see a little bit more of Brock before I put him in the top five, but I can't have him any lower than six. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Tom, I sat in – at your desk on Box Lunch two weeks ago saying how I thought the Ravens were the worst team in the AFC North because I largely believed that Lamar Jackson wasn't coming back. And I still hold that to be true. If, they, if Lamar Jackson isn't their quarterback, they're the worst team in the division. But Lamar Jackson is that much of a game changer where I have him at number seven. I think the Ravens have a great coaching staff and Lamar puts them near the top of the AFC. The Jaguars are going to win their division very easily. Yep. They are in a terrible division. Trevor Lawrence kind of put himself on the stage last year in his sophomore season. I think he's going to take another step and kind of cement him as one of the top quarterbacks in the game. I'm the first person to have the New York Jets in the top 10. I'll be damned if I don't have a team that won five games with Zach Wilson as their starting quarterback last year get a Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers and not have them in the top 10. And have a top five defense. Right. They have one of the most complete rosters in the league. Everyone saw it. All they needed was a quarterback. They floated out three different quarterbacks who were all terrible last year. And they still went 7-10. and 10. Now they're in a tough division, but I think Aaron Rodgers makes them a whole different team. And that's kind of just hedging the bets because I don't think it would surprise a whole lot of people if the Jets win 12 games next year. And then I have the Chargers at number 10. I know Justin Herbert's great. I know the Chargers have a very good team. I'm waiting on them to do more. 
and I want them to— So are their fans. I'm wanting them to do more. They're in a tough division. They play against the Chiefs twice a year. And then the other teams, who knows what's going to happen with the Raiders and the Broncos. But I think that 10 fits them very, very well. You'll notice I only have three NFC teams in my top 10. Well, I don't think that's necessarily a big surprise. They don't got any quarterbacks. But you got two in a top five. Correct, because their teams are loaded. The, the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers roster is loaded. Only one of them have a, a true, true quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Okay. All right, fair enough. We're going to break down some of these teams that are, that are kind of like not in at all, i.e. the Jets. I want to hear more about that from you guys over do there. You, do you believe yeah. in Aaron Rodgers? Because I don't. Okay, I do. I, that's why I left them out. I do. But it's fair if you do, like Reed, it's fair if you do to put him in the top ten. I just think he's, after what we saw last year, to expect him to then lead this team to do something. I just don't expect them. I expect nothing out of Aaron Rodgers. That, I think that's more than a fair point. I think people who watch him regularly, Trace Fowler's a big fan here. Yeah. He was talking all the time about, you know, there were throws that he's made his entire career. And you saw dozens and dozens of those throws last year that he did not make. Now, you know, can he come back and make them this year? You say no, but I if, say but yes. If the, if the answer is yes, then they're a top 10 team. I okay. guess, to me, that's the difference. I, I think about Aaron Rodgers. He was just unmotivated last year. I think he's a highly motivated person, and he just got a little tired there in, in Green Bay. And I think the new change of scenery is going to help him. I'll tell you, I, I mean, I, I know this is going off the, the, the topic here a little bit, but I, I really get upset. I've been reading all these articles that are coming out of New York about how Rodgers now is all in, to back up what you're talking about, right? He's all in. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, Man, if I were a fan of the Green Bay Packers or if I was in ownership of the Packers, and, of course, they're a publicly owned team, so everybody's got a share of the team, including me. I got one. Any of you guys got one? I do not. No? No. no. Okay, I got one. It's given to me as a gift. Um, I'd be saying to myself, what was I paying this guy for the last two years? Doesn't come to OTAs, not spending a lot of time with, you know, young receiving core when he could be coming in there and doing more, and now all of a sudden he's all in. It's like when you read about players who, I'm in the best shape of my life. Well, what about the last three years when the other team was paying you? Or the current team was paying you? And you weren't in good shape? All right. Here's my uh, six through ten. I go with the Niners. I dropped them down to six. I mean, I'd put them in the top three. If, if I knew that Purdy was going to be okay. He had the surgery very late. Remember, he injured the elbow in the NFC Championship game early in that game. They had to wait for nearly two months to do that surgery for the swelling to go down. And let me say this for the record right now, and I don't say it because I know him and I like him. There's only one guy in the country I had that do that surgery, and he didn't do it. And that's Tim Kremchak, right here at Beacon Orthopedics. That's the only guy I would have do that surgery. Not to say there aren't other great surgeons. There are. And I'm sure they feel very good about that. But they waited a long time to do it. There's no guarantee he's going to be ready. Um, Bryce Harper just set the all-time record for a player coming mm -hmm. back from that surgery. And he's not a pitcher or a quarterback. And then Trey Lance, I mean, I, I can't buy it. I, I'm not saying the kid's not going to be a great player. Maybe he will, but I can't buy that. So they're out of my top five. 
Dolphins' fastest team by far in the league. Pure speed, they are the fastest team in the league. And speed in football is very important. The big question, Tua. When he played last year, they were a top four team in the NFL and a bona fide contender to get to the championship game. When he got hurt, down they went. Jets, we've talked about them. I'm not buying the Cowboys like you guys are because I just can't trust Dak Prescott. It's fair. That's fair. I think the guy I mean, fair, will have games where he is the best-looking quarterback that has ever lived. He seems like a great dude, too, by the way. I mean, I don't know him, but he just seems like a great dude. So he's easy to root for, even though the Cowboys aren't necessarily easy to root for. But, man, the picks, the picks, the mistakes. Um, you know, over the course of a season where you got 17 games now, you know, you can have a couple of those clunkers or a couple of a big play late, like against Jacksonville. He throws a pick. They lose a game. Uh, but in a playoff game, it can't happen. And the Cowboys have laid eggs in the playoffs. And uh, I got them nine because they do have talent. And then the Jags. They got a budding star. Uh, at quarterback, he's not there yet. He's not there yet. But they have a lot of good pieces to that team. And I think they have a coach there that knows what it's like to build championship teams. He's done it before. Peterson won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. Um, we'll see. So, uh, let's dissect a couple of teams that you guys... Um, I want to get into why you think, and one that you had very highly ranked, all you guys did, if I'm not mistaken, Seattle. Why are you buying Seattle? I mean, they... I mean, this is Geno Smith now. Yeah. Great story last year. No doubt. Yeah. Another guy that seems like a really good dude, right? Right. I mean, he said all the right things when he would be interviewed about people counting him out, and he kept coming back, and he never got down on himself, and he got another chance. Play, uh, comeback player of the year. But you're really high on him. I am. I am very high on him. I mean, he was... All three of you guys are high on him. Yeah. I believe he led the league in completion percentage. Okay. He. That's a solid number, by the way. Yeah, 70%. Yeah, it's a solid, solid point. 30 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Had a quarterback rating of 101. And he was sacked 46 times, right? So you could probably reduce that number just a little bit because, you know, your rookie tackles are going to start getting a little bit better. They were already pretty good last year. And then he threw for over 4,000 yards. He was the best quarterback in his own division, if you're going to exclude Brock Purdy. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. I mean... He was last year. Last year. And... A lot of it is based off of last year. But I think Pete Carroll, you should just look at what he's done with the Seattle team with Russell Wilson and look what Russell Wilson's doing now at Denver. And just maybe if I could try to uh, breathe in this life of that Pete Carroll is a quarterback whisperer. It doesn't matter who plays quarterback for his system because that quarterback's going to do well as long as they follow the system. Um 
then I think you can see where this team can really take a, the next step because they go get Jackson Smith and Jigba, arguably the best receiver in this draft class, the most NFL ready. They needed a guy in the slot. They already had DK Metcalf and Lockett, I believe, on yep. the other, uh, yeah, yep. outsides. Yep. Get a guy in the up and down the player, dynamic player. But yep, yep. yep. Same with Metcalf. They're getting their rookie running back back, and he was hurt, and he was playing really well before he got hurt. So looking forward to that. Their defense, they addressed their biggest needs by getting a couple edge rushers early on in the draft. They went and got the best corner available and a guy that can't miss prospects. Guy's a stud. Witherspoon, Witherspoon out of Illinois. Stud. And now you're looking at a defense that can potentially lock down your number one and your number two because Tyreek Woolen was really good last year too. We don't talk about him a lot because of just how good the kid from the Jets was. I can't remember his name. Why I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But anyways, he was just – this team went 9-8 and eight last year. And I feel like they did nothing but improve, improve, improve. So – if you were to just look at the NFC in general now, there's not a whole lot of quarterback competition to begin with. Dad. So I just, I just Dad. really, really, really like the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I know you had them in your top ten, right? I had them there ball. too. And are we all in the trust tree here? We're all in the trust tree. It was a little bit of groupthink. It was a little that the Seahawks. Were I figured the, K, I figured Paul was looking over on KC. Uh, so actually, full transparency, I didn't. I the only the only thing I did was the Seahawks. So I made my power rankings, and then I went back and I looked at two other. I looked at Casey's, and then I looked at one other one from some other site. And the Seahawks were the only team that I didn't have that were up there, and they were up there everywhere else. So I put them at seventh just because I didn't feel confident enough anywhere else. So I threw them in at seventh. The one, Eighth, maybe the one team that I will not buy into is the Jets. I just can't because they. Part of the reason why their quarterback stunk was because their offensive line also really stunk, and they didn't really address it. They they got a center, which maybe that solidifies the interior. Who knows? But the outsides were abysmal last year, abysmal, and they didn't do anything. They just. I guess signed a guy that was in the back part of the free agency. I don't know, man. I, I'm not too high on it. Aaron Rodgers is older. He's not going to be able to maneuver around in the pocket as well as he was before. I get that maybe he's more all in now, but I, I agree with this. Um, their team all around is solid, right? Their defense, great. They have awesome weapons. If you think Aaron Rodgers truly didn't take a step backwards last year, then I can see why you would put him in your top 10. But for me, he's the Jets are in my top 12, top 14 teams until I start seeing them actually play. You know, I just don't know how much that line is going to affect Rodgers because Rodgers relatively has had a decent line in front of him most of his career. So I just... I'm not a fan of the of the Jets right now. I'm not gonna fall for this shenanigans like we did last year with Denver. Oh, all they need is a quarterback. We get see we, we get Russell Wilson. 
they're going to the Super Bowl. Good point. And that's a good not. analogy right yeah, there, that's, Casey. That's you pull that's big league they analogy. Did. The Jets have not shown anything offensively, at least schematically, to be like, oh, yeah, Russell, Aaron Rodgers is all you need. Sometimes it takes a little bit more than just a quarterback that we just don't really think about, like scheme, like the offensive line. And uh, that's why I didn't have them in my, my but, top but, ten. But, but Sir Boy Wonder uh, brings up, or I'm sorry, um, who was it? Uh, Derby Stardom in the chat. Welcome to the chat, Derby Stardom. Says Aaron Rodgers gets rid of the ball so quickly, you don't need a great offensive line. Uh, I mean, you're limiting your offense, though. I well, mean, that's I, for sure. I mean, but look at Joe Burrow. Did he have a great offensive line? He gets rid of the ball quick, had a pretty good year. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying – I don't – I just don't have them in my top ten. Okay. Until I start seeing him actually play and, you know, him be able to maneuver around in the pocket. There's a lot of things that Joe Burrow does that I, that I think Aaron Rodgers used to do. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers can do it now. He's, what, 38, 39? It's a lot different than when he was younger, so – that's why I'm just a little I'm a little hesitant. I'm not going to get burned again like I did with Denver. So. All right, I want to ask you one question, Reed Mouse, because yeah. you are the only member of this uh, quartet, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. That had the L.A. Chargers in the top ten. Yeah. Okay. Why? I, I, it's, it's pretty simple. I'm a believer that in the NFL, if you've got two things, you're going to win a lot of games. One of two things, but mostly two things will, will have you win a lot of games. Okay. If you have an elite coach, you'll win a lot of football games, a la the Ravens, a la the Steelers, a la the Seahawks, a la the Patriots. They got a good coach. They'll continue to win games. The second thing is if you got a great quarterback, you're going to win a lot of ball games. The Chargers have the latter. Justin Herbert is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. They play in a tough division. The Chiefs obviously are the reigning Super Bowl champs. Um, the Broncos still have a decent roster. They just need Russell Wilson to figure it out. And who knows what's going to happen with the Raiders. But at the end of the day, Justin Herbert is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. He's got decent weapons around him. I think it is silly to think that the Chargers aren't going to be in the postseason this year and in the years going forward. And it would surprise no one if they won 10, 11, even 12 ball games this year. I'm not sold on their coach at all. Oh, you no, their coach is bad. I mean, I'm not going to say he's bad. I don't know. He's new. He took a lot of gambles last year on those fourth down plays, Cleveland, some other games. And I think, man, I don't know. Um, I do know that they've become basically TCU West. Their top two picks in the draft, right? Wide receivers, including Quentin Johnson, uh, Johnston out of uh, TCU. So they've got some weapons there. I don't know what's going to happen to their run game. Eckler wants out. Nobody's nibbling. Uh, and their defense, when they have their players on the field, they're really good. Mm -hmm. no, but no, I, think, I think they had reached one game. I think I remember uh, Chris Collins were saying on a Sunday night when they were doing the, the lineups for the Chargers, they said eight of these 11 guys did not start the first game of the year. Uh, right? Right. So they're all nicked up. <coughs> Excuse me. They were they, – and they dominated a first half of a playoff game. Now, granted, they, they blew it. Yes, they did. But they're still, I mean, up three touchdowns in a playoff game. I think – I think they probably should have got rid of their coach. But they still got Justin Herbert, and I'm a Justin Herbert believer. So. 
Anything else stand out from the, uh, those lists? I'm trying to remember if there was anything else that anybody had in there that um, or didn't have in there. Lots of lions. Well, I had lions. I don't know if anyone else had lions. I think I had the lions at 10. I think. Yeah, let me, let me just go back. and yeah, now, now, no now, the now, about the lions. I mean, you know, we got right here where uh, OJ's 94 Bronco, the Rams. And there are a lot of people that are saying, you know, Stafford comes back, right? They still got Cup. They've got some players on defense. They're not in a great you know, great spot as far as, I mean, their division, I guess you could flip a coin. You got the Niners who are really good in there. Arizona's terrible, just yeah. terrible. Um, boy, and, uh, but, but, but again, OJ's 94 Broncos says look out for the Rams. And they're playing a last place schedule. That always helps a lot. That does. That does. So clearly the, the, the places of strength of these top ten I mean, really, you look in because of who they have to play, getting back to who you play in your division, right? Most of us had, or all of us had, the Ravens and the Bengals, AFC North, both in the same division. Pittsburgh is not a pushover. Cleveland's not a pushover. There are no layups in that division. No. And the Bengals have found that out the hard way with Cleveland in recent oh. years. And Pittsburgh, for that matter. The AFC East, every one of us had... Uh, Buffalo in there. Uh, some of us had the Jets. Some of us did not. Some of us had Miami. Some did not. And, and there's New England there, which just, if, if for nothing else, because it's Belichick, it's not a layup. And then you have um, the NFC East. I'm surprised, Paul, you did not have, when I originally did this, before we wrap this up, when I originally did this, I had the Giants at 10. You did not have the New York football Giants oh, in your top ten. And you are a Daniel Jones guy. As much as I love my guy, Daniel Jones, as much as I truly believe in what he's building out there in New York, they ain't top ten. They're not top ten. They got Saquon. Ah, they got a good coach. I know. Jones is a solid guy. He's he, solid. He, wear, he wears on me. He's time. solid, Tom, but he's not very good. Oh, no, What do you Paul? mean he's not very good? The guy ran for 800 yards. He doesn't turn it up. He never throws a pick. Ever. Maybe he needs to take a risk. <laughs> well, okay, maybe. That's fair. But I'm just saying, I mean, the guy does a lot of things. I mean, he started to really grow on me last year. More I mean, I would because I, I love the guys who don't give it away. I'm with you. Right? And that's why I like I mean, them. in every sport, you know, when I was winning title after title as a basketball coach, <laughs> I'd always just pound away. And my son was a point guard. And if he'd turn it over and he'd walk over the sideline, I, I said, you know, we're playing in the white jerseys, right? They're wearing brown or black or green or blue or red. We're wearing white. Throw it to the guys in white. Right? I watched the cross last night. Turnover, turnover, turnover. Other team gets the ball, that means they can score. Football. Daniel Jones doesn't give it away. Dak does. I know. I can't believe you didn't have your boy in there. I know. He can earn his way back in there. Maybe he was at 11. Daniel Jones and the G-Men, they were 11th. Why does this guy, before we say goodbye, can I ask you a question, Reed? Yeah. 
Why is the player formerly known as Mouse Cop on your ass all the time? It also, I mean, it is <laughs> relentless. He's trying to get me fired, Tom. He's trying to constantly get me fired. But you know what it is? Is I, I put out a controversial post saying that the Reds stink. Had a, had a long spiel about how the Reds are terrible. And it, it is soured with the chat, which was by design. But Mouse Cop has taken it to heart. He also doesn't like that I, I don't mean, like Adam Kunkel. He just says, you know, Trace Fowler uh, has to actually work so that Reed can get a, a paycheck. Talk about a grifter. Bit of truth there, Tom. Bit of truth. <laughs> oh, man. Mouse cop. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I can do. Do you know the guy? I know who he is. I, <laughs> I, we, we, I did some detective work. I don't know him. But I know who he is. He's a Xavier fan. He's drawing. Well, you guys are both on the same page there. Right. Well, it all started when I when I disliked Adam Kunkel. And it has snowballed downhill ever since then. Well, I'm an Adam Kunkel guy. I like that dude. Nutcutter. Nutcutter. Plays the game right way. Why, why are you down on – I mean, before we Doc oh comes gosh. on, he's coming. <laughs> Can you just tell me why you don't – what is it you don't like about Adam Kunkel? The guy <laughs> was not blessed with all the enormous talent in the world. The guy's a gamer. I mean, he plays his heart out, passion, fire, nonstop. What, don't, what doesn't a guy like you – Besides being a private school guy, mm, Kunkel, was cool. he a public school guy or a private Cooper school? Cooper High School. What? Cooper High School. That's the pride of Kentucky's public school system. There we go. Oh. Now, why wouldn't you like a guy like Kunkel? I just wanted a little more Zach Fremantle in him. I like the way Zach Fremantle plays. Kunkel, Kunkel tries a little too hard. Fremantle just takes it back. He, he, he lets the game come to him. So I like Fremantle over Kunkel, and that's... I don't have a good reason as to why I don't Dude, like that's him. like comparing Joe Burrow to Lyle Collins. Oh, come I mean, on. Zach Freeman was 6'9", oh, weighs 270 pounds, and Adam Kunkel's my size. That's right. I want, I want, I want Freeman to take more shots than Kunkel. Well, I can't argue with you on that point. All right. All right, boys, it's Thanks, been Tom. a lot of fun. Reed, thank you. Thanks, Thanks Reed. Always good stuff. Can't believe, Paul, you don't defend Kunkel a little bit more. Well, I'm the only guy in the room defending it. I'm not I, even a Xavier fan. I know where Reed's coming from over there. There's sometimes Tom, you just can't talk sense into people. Okay, all right. Uh, we have a hard time talking some sense into uh, Paul Doherty. You know, he gets um, he's not retired, retired because he's writing for the Ben, the Benjamin. He's got the MorningLine.substack.com. He's got a lot going on. Uh, Doc, thanks for your uh, time this morning. Were you an Adam Kunkel guy? Guy like you is a Kunkel kind of fan, right? Well, yeah, what's, what's, what's not to like? I'm with you all the way. I mean, those are the kind of guys I want on my team that play with fire and passion, and, and he's going to be a perfect player. No, he's not a perfect player. But better him than the guy who's all laid back and everything's cool and, boy, let the game come to us and all that nonsense. I can't stand it. All right. No, he seemed to get the most from his abilities, and that's all you can ask. Absolutely. Spot on. All right, you wrote the other day, and, and, and correct me because I couldn't remember the year on the Chris Archer deal. Was it 16 or 18? 18. Okay, 18. That was a day, for those that have read your stuff through the years, they're well aware of this. 
and you've laid it out there uh, from time to time, and you did in one of your more recent columns about um, you basically disowning your love affair and fandom of the Pittsburgh Pirates. So once you did that, and I, I'm being sincere when I ask this question because I think about being, I mean, I'm a big Ohio State football fan, huge fan, watch every play, every game. And I ask myself, what would it be like to all of a sudden make the kind of move for me on Ohio State football that you made for the Pirates? How hard was that to do? I mean, really? No, it was easy. It was a culmination of, of several years of uh, bad decisions and, and, and apathy and just general malaise. That, that just was kind of the capper when they traded – three prospects or at least three guys who were supposed to be a big part of their future for for one pitcher who I don't think had ever made an all-star game that was that was enough for me I was done but you but, but so that meant that literally the next day here you were in the middle of a baseball yeah. season maybe you were checking yeah. your phone or maybe you were checking your computer or the next day checking out something else to see how they did that stopped immediately yeah, 55 years done because they traded uh, for Chris Archer and they, they traded Austin Meadows, uh, who, who has been an all-star. They traded um, Glasnow, Tyler Glasnow, who was a big part of the Rays rotation but can't seem to stay healthy. And, and also Shane Baz, another another bright uh, guy with a bright future who's also had injury issues for a run-of-the-mill uh, run pitcher. Yeah, that was it. Okay, all right, so now let me take you to the next step. The Pirates are all of a sudden good this year. They're really good this year. Are you getting yeah. back on the bandwagon? I reserve the right to, to be somewhat enthusiastic, yes. Um, not yet, Tom. I, I mean, it's April, right? The two most misleading months in baseball are April and September. We'll see. They play, they play the Rays starting tonight, three games in, in, uh, in the trial. We'll see how they do against the Rays. The Rays are legit. The Pirates have miles to go before anyone would call them legit. Okay, but if if they continue to play well, um, and, and look, I mean, they, they went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, took it to the Dodgers. Cardinals can't beat the yeah. Dodgers. Pirates go out there and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Dodgers, take it to them. All of a sudden, right. some people are saying, hey, this Pirate team might all of a sudden, if they keep hanging around, they might become a, uh, a buyer at the trade market, does that increase your chances of, of, of jumping on that bandwagon with both feet? I, I don't know. May, maybe four or five toes, brother. I, you know, I, so many thing, bad things have happened in the last decade or so that are un, really unforgivable that, that it, it's going to take more than one nice month. But that said, I love bandwagon fans. I'm a bandwagon, fans, uh, bandwagon fan. I, I don't understand why people – pull for teams that don't care about them. Um, the Pirates, obviously, for many years have not cared about their fans. And I don't know that they do now. Well, they, they, they did extend Brian Reynolds, their best player. That, that was a, a hopeful sign. That showed that they're at least willing to put a little money into the product. But one month of, of really good baseball produced by players that, frankly, most people have never heard of uh, outside of Reynolds and, and Andrew McCutcheon and a couple of other veterans – um, no, it doesn't sway me, but bandwagon fans are good, man. They, they force change. 
They're, they're not blindly loyal to people who don't care and couldn't care less about them. I never understood in the last decade of the Bengals how those people showed up every week and, and, and thought they were doing a good thing. Really proud of how loyal they were. But in sports, there's a really thin line between what's noble and what's kind of stupid. And I think the, the Bengals had crossed it during the last decade. But if I'm a Bengal fan, I dropped them then and I'm back on them now. And I don't feel bad about that at all. It's not, loyalty is not bestowed, man. It's earned. And, and the Bengals and the Pirates have done nothing many years to earn their fans' loyalty. And, all right, well, and, well, know, well, well, let me ask you this then. Okay, if, if by not coming to the ballpark, and, and I'm with you about, you know, do the, the Pirates necessarily all of a sudden overnight care about their fans because they had a good month of April? I'm with you 100% on that. Um, but clearly Reds fans are not going to the ballpark. Uh, you take away that opening day crowd where they set the all-time regular season record. Um, if you went then and took that out and averaged out what they're really getting per game, I mean, they're starting to sniff territory of teams like, not quite, but they're sniffing teams like the Rays. They're sniffing teams like Oakland. They're sniffing teams like Cleveland. Whether you're down to, you know, in some games, 7,000, 8,000, lucky to get 10,000 fans in a game. Do you think that will be evidence that can fuel ownership into saying, oh, boy, we better do something? Or are the economics of the sport such that it is what it is? I, I think both. I, I know that, that uh, Bob Castellini is very sensitive to attendance figures. Um, so that will impact him, whether, whether, whether it will impact him to the extent that, that they try to do something immediately, I, I doubt it. I don't, I don't know what they could do. And, and given that they've chosen the path that they're on now, which I think is the right one, it just took them forever to get there, I don't think they should do anything drastic because the attendance is bad. Um, that said, yeah, it's a concern. When, when you're drawing half the number of fans that the soccer team does, and you're supposed to be this baseball town, you know, this is Reds country and all that stuff, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you should be worried, but I think what they do now is, is continue doing what they're doing and, and hoping that they, they pull some sort of pirates turnaround, which they might do. You never know. You I know, think they, I, I mean, if you look at it, I think their young talent is, is probably as good as Pittsburgh's. They have, they have better young starting pitching than Pittsburgh for sure. You know, so I, it's, it's not Im impossible. If the Pirates can do it, anybody can do it. Well, okay, that's fair for the statement. That, you know, I, I sit there and I say, though, um, with the Reds, um, I've asked my dad this question. He and I have, have debated this for a long, long time. He has his opinion. I have mine. I'm curious to hear yours. I have never bought into the fact that Cincinnati is a great baseball town. I've never believed it going all the way back. And I use as, you know, uh, 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 evidence exhibit A, the fact that they played in a 58,000-seat stadium. They had the best team, arguably, in the history of baseball. And they never drew more than 2.7 million fans. And I'm not here to tell people how to spend their money. I don't want them to tell me how to spend my money. But when you had that product on the field for basically a decade 
and only once did you get over $2.5 million. I'm not so sure it's a great baseball town. I think it's the oldest baseball town, but it, I, I, don't, I think it's far more, not just because of the recent success of the Bengals, but when I look at high school, college, pro football, I think Cincinnati is by far a better football town than baseball town. You agree or disagree? I think it's shifted in that direction. I don't think it was always that way. I'd be interested even this year to see the TV and radio numbers. Um, I've always been of the opinion that just because people aren't going to the ballpark doesn't mean they're not paying attention. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what the numbers are doing this year or have been doing the last few years, so I, I can't say for sure. I mean, I, I think Cincinnati is like everywhere else, Tom. We, we live in an NFL world now. Everybody else is just sitting in the bleachers wondering how the NFL does it. I, I, I think Cincinnati is is the same way. I, I think this has always been a football town. Obviously, the high school football has been tremendous forever. Um, but it, it's, it, it's like every other place. NFL is more popular. It's like every other place in that winning teams draw. Um, so I, I don't think it's – I think the myth of, be, of of this being a great baseball town still lives. The reality does not. Yeah, I, I'm with you all the way. All right, well, well now walk me let, – let, let's just try to look into the future here a little bit because I, I, I agree with you. If, if I'm a fan of a team and somebody wants to get on the bandwagon, I don't care. If they want to get off the bandwagon, I don't care about that either. Uh, I'm going to root for whoever I want to root for or not, and whoever's with me, great. Whoever's not, that's fine too. The Bengals right now are in a position, and I'm not so sure they were in the position even until they were so bad that they got the first pick in the draft, right? And I think anybody could have drafted Burrow. All right, but they did. All right, there was a decision there where you're going to do Chase or Sewell, the offensive lineman, after Burrow had had his knee torn up halfway through his first year. They go with Chase. The rest is history. It wasn't that long ago they're drafting two offensive linemen in the first round. Neither one of them's in the league anymore, right? So, but, but right now they have trust. Do you think if the Bengals don't get to an AFC championship game or win a Super Bowl, that that can start now, even with all the stars that are still going to be around, can start to get a little wobbly? I, I hate to think that. Um, I'm not, maybe. I, I can't. I don't know. Uh, I, I would hope not because given what, what preceded this recent uh, era, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I think you should, as a Bengal fan, you should still be grateful that your team is in a position that we're even raising that as a point. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, they've got some. They've got some credit in the bank now. Um, and I, I don't think that they're that far off. They're certainly no further off than they were last year at this time or the year before at this time from, from winning uh, a Super Bowl. Uh, I, I, the draft is, it is what it is. I, people have a million opinions on the draft and, and 999,000 of them are wrong. Um, apparently the Eagles had a great draft. Okay. I, who knows? I, I, they tell me that maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't, you know, the Steelers had a great draft. Uh, the point is that the Bengals have, have a solid core 
that that is going to stay there. Hopefully, keep most of these guys there and under contract. They they've proven to be lately. I don't know what's happened, but the last several years, very good at building a team. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I don't see any reason for that to to stop. So, I don't foresee the fans souring on this team because I I don't think if you're being realistic about it, the the Bengals will give them any reason. To, to be sour on them. I mean, can you imagine Cincinnati Bengals fans being mad at their team because they didn't make the Super Bowl? <laughs> I well, mean, you and I would have to live to be 300 years old. Before we... <laughs> well, you got a good point there. All right, Doc, thanks for your time today, my friend. Have a great rest of your day. And again, what's a new website? Who you're, I know it's called The Benjamin, but what is the website to find your ben. stuff? BetTheBen.com. BetTheBen, B-E-N. BetTheBen.com, BetTheBenjamin. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll show up. Okay. All right. Good enough. Doc, thanks yeah. for your time, my friend. All right, Tom. Thank you. All right, buddy. Paul Doherty, kind enough to uh, join us there. Uh, Tim in the chat says, the Bengals will be the NFL team of this decade. Super Bowl contenders for many years to come. And he loves the show, by the way. Tim, thank you for the uh, compliment. So, I think that whole fan thing is interesting because, you know, even look at, and I, I made reference to me being an Ohio State fan. Look at the number of people all of a sudden that want to run Ryan Day out of town. Right? Lose to Michigan and he's done. Twice. Twice. And, I, and I'm not on that bandwagon, by the way. But that's why I asked Doc the question about the Bengals. Because now it's all about winning the Super Bowl with this group. If Ohio State fans can go south on Ryan Day, who's lost five games in four years as a head coach, all right? Not won a national title. Been to the playoff three times. If they can go south on him, fans can go south on the Bengals if they don't start winning Super Bowls. What if they don't win their division? What if Baltimore wins the division? I think Zach Taylor has earned enough leash now to where if Baltimore was to win the division one year, people wouldn't be running Zach Taylor out of town. But if it was to go two years and the Bengals didn't win the division or didn't make the postseason one of the next three years, people would get frustrated. It's just the nature of fandom, though. It's just the nature of how fans are. Fans aren't patient. Fans want to win. Fans want to see sustained success as soon as possible, which is fine. That's sports, and that's not a knock, but it's just how it works. Sports is cyclical, and you get into this spot now with the Bengals where you expect success, which is why not this past season, but the season before was so much fun because nobody expected anything, and then all of a sudden the Bengals made the Super Bowl. Yeah, It was just everybody was along for the ride. Now you get into a, a situation where the Bengals expect to win, and it would be a disappointment if the Bengals didn't win the AFC North this coming year. And then everything changes because then it becomes, can you meet expectations instead of let's just be along for the ride. Now the Bengals have to meet and pretty much exceed everybody's expectations every year. That's where we're at. And I don't want to say, I mean, I'm more patient than I would think most people on this. So I like, I give, Zach Taylor a lot more room maybe than I should, but 
I like what he's doing. Obviously, they, the front office and the coaching staff are on the same page with what they're trying to build. And because of that, now you get to a point where you've put yourself in a consistent position to win a Super Bowl every year. And as you have said many, many times, Tom, they're not games away. They are plays away. Yep. They are one good pass block away from winning a Super Bowl last year. And they're one decent drive away from getting back to the Super Bowl this past season. So we're not talking about a major gap. We're talking about little things that <clears throat> that they need to fill. I'm with you. Casey, would you, I mean, uh, uh, would your support of the Vengalis wane at all? If theoretically, well, I mean, if they did not win the AFC North this year? Well, I'll always be a, a fan of them through thick and thin. Um, I would be less optimistic if they did not win the AFC North. Um, mainly because the when you feel like I don't want to feel like how I felt with Andy Dalton, where you knew you were not going to win a Super Bowl. Right. I don't want to be just this. I don't want to just be a semi-successful team that maybe wins a few playoff games but never really makes a true push. That's not my. That's not where my fandom goes. It goes all the way to the top. I want to win the whole darn thing. I want the glory of winning the whole darn thing and getting to parade around sure. the, the, the victory. But personally, no. It would not I would not it would not wane on me. Now for things I'm less passionate about, like as we know, I'm not a big I haven't been a big Reds fan. I'm trying to get into it. But it's hard. It's hard to uh, it's hard to be a fan of something that, you know, you haven't been attached to for a long time and they're not very successful at the current moment. I under I, I feel bad for our generation, uh, well past our generation, Paul, that any of these baseball fans that are growing up, they're not gonna know what good baseball was. No. And they haven't for at least 10 years. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was a, I was a Reds fan before the Nationals came to town. I was a Nationals fan for 15 years. And, and it's a whole know, generation. It's lost. a whole generation of people that our, our age of people have not seen the Reds do anything. They've seen the Bengals now at least do something. And maybe there's something. I, I do think fandom has more ties to it than just liking a good team because – there's such a thing as the Cleveland Browns who have stunk for 30 plus years, but like with family ties and whatnot, you usually tend to follow in that direction. But in order to keep it, I mean, they got to show some signs of life, you know, that's it's just tough. It's tough being a fan of a losing team. You know, I it's interesting you say that. that about, you know, uh, how many generations and we've talked about this on the show before, but I mean, you are spot on. When you're growing up in a place and you see kids running around your neighborhood and all that kind of stuff and what kind of jerseys are there wear, you see any red jerseys? I run around my neighborhood. I take my dogs out every day, whether it's 9 degrees or 90 degrees, right? I'm yeah. out walking them every day. Kids run around all over the place. I can't remember the last time I saw a kid wearing a red jersey. So it's not only for these kids so far, and they're still very, very young, but your guys' age, right, in your 20s, early 20s, mid-20s. 
30s, mid-40s. This isn't an exaggeration now. Mid-40s, if they were born, the last time the Reds won a postseason series, 95. That was the first round, first year ever, that they put in the wild card. And the Reds beat the Los Angeles Dodgers in the wild card that year of 95. I was watching the games living in Chicago announcing the Cubs games at the time. That is a lifetime ago, right? So you got 05, 15, 25. I mean, you're looking at over 30. Yeah, I say the 40-year-olds because they're going to barely be old enough to remember that, right? Right. So you're on to something there. And when you throw in that along with now all of a sudden here the last number of seasons since being remotely competitive back in 2012-2013. You know, Chad says in here, I was three. I don't remember anything about it. OJ's 94 Broncos says, I was six, negative six, the last time they had it. Uh, Matt Bailey says, it's up to parents to make this generation Reds fans. Now, take them to a game is a great experience. I will say that. And you've been to a few games this year, right? Yeah, I have. You enjoyed yourself. I did. I did enjoy myself. It was a good time. I mean, especially when you are there to not only just watch the Reds, but... Drink beer. You know, just have a good time. Drink and beer. It, it, I will say... Drink beer. Drink beer. Okay. But I will say it helps that there are actually diehard fans there. Yes, there are. It, it makes, yes, you, it makes are. you want to engage with the said fan base. Like, Sir Boyd's just cheering every single inning. Yeah, that gets me fired up. But, you know, there's less and less of that now. I mean, there was, what, record low attendance, 7,000 fans? Well, they announced 7,000. There's yeah. no way there was 2,000 there for that game. No way. If you work in sports or if, you, uh, if you're around sports enough and you know how attendance numbers work, you know they're inflated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's worse, the U.S. inflation or sports numbers attendance inflation, Tom? Oh, Your thoughts. Uh, believe me. Politics. Not even close. <laughs> All right. Um, we got the tracer coming in. Is there anything before he comes in today, Casey, as you are now knocking on the doorstep as we have turned to the month of May? One month. Yesterday, by the way, happy May 1st. Here we are, May 2nd. I think today is National Veterinarians Day. Really? It's also all over the world. It's also National Teachers Day. So we're checking the box for Alex and Lizzie today. Ooh. I did not know that. So oh. thank you for telling me. Now I will definitely go and get her something. <laughs> need to get her a little something. <laughs> I'm going to get Lizzie some flowers. I'm seeing her tonight. We're going out to dinner. I'm going to get her some flowers. On the very, way very nice. That's very nice. So boy. we appreciate all the teachers. The veterinarians, all the beautiful work they're doing with our kids and our animals who are like family, of course. So hope all of you have a uh, great day today. But you are now, as I was starting to say, and we got off track. I mean, you're now not one month from tomorrow. One month from tomorrow. Yeah. Now, I have heard a lot about your wedding. Uh, I've been 
fortunate and blessed enough to receive an invitation to that wedding. And I told you, if our son's not playing in the state championship that game, uh, that day, that we are going to be there. I'm going to be there no matter what. We'll come over and, and check it out for the reception. But I've not heard a thing about a bachelor party. Well, that's Paul. Have you heard anything about it? I've heard rumblings in the wind. You have. Um, I have heard rumblings in the wind. It's happening, but I think they're still looking for a date. Maybe. Yeah, we're still. I mean, after I think we're just waiting till after baseball for Miami. After baseball season is done with Miami, then I'm my weekends are free again, and I can, uh, you know, we can plan something out. But according to the best man, Thomas. Dollar in the jar, who frequents the chat often. He says that he's already got it all planned out everywhere we're going to go. He's got it all figured out. He's just got to get the money together from, from everybody, and we can uh, all have a good time. So looking forward to it. So are you having any input, or is he handling uh, what the, uh, the schedule would look like? So where to go, what to do, because we'll ask Tracy his thoughts here momentarily. Yeah, he um, he asked for my suggestions on certain things because, you know, plan is to go to a bunch of bars, bar hop, play pub golf and then uh, go to the casino. So it's that's a lot of money. So the casino is a lot of fun. Casinos are a lot of fun. The one here, I, I think I, I share with you uh, all a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a big casino guy, but I went down to see a band down there with my wife and a bunch of other couples. I had to go down there with my nephew another night. He was in town from Chicago, him and his buddies. Um, I got to tell you, that is a sweet place. And since Hard Rock bought it, they did a hell of a job. Yeah. It's a nice place. You can have a lot of fun in there. You know, there's not all the smoke and everything like there is in a lot of other casinos and that kind of thing. It's clean. It's safe. There's parking. Right. Free. That's that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because when you're going down to start going out with your buddies and over the Rhine or whatever it else might be, you know, you're going to have a hard time finding a place to park. Right. Casino Bank, you're right there. They'll even valet it for you for free, Casey. Big leaguer like you that night. Yeah. Tracy, would you ever consider spending much time, Tracy Jones, best 30 minutes in television? Would you, uh, do, do you find yourself at all, or do you like going to casinos? I do like going to the casino uh, downtown Cincinnati, but I have, I'll be honest with you, I haven't been there in a while because the last time I was there, I was with my best friend and we got kicked out. So I, I didn't get kicked out. He got kicked out. He had too many cocktails and slammed the drink and gave out a rebel yell. And the, the security came and escorted him out. So I haven't been back since then. But I had a good time. I like casino. I like going to Vegas. We talked about this last time I was on. You know, I go to Vegas probably twice a year. Enjoy it. Now, do you think that that should be part of, uh, before you came on, I don't know if you heard any of it or not, but, you know, I, Casey, uh, Tracy, let's start with this, and then we'll get to the bachelor party in a minute. Uh, he is one month from tomorrow, one month remaining as a, uh, as a single man, ties a knot on oh. June the 3rd. Is there anything, and let's leave the... Um, 
let's leave the um, bachelor party out of this for a second. We're going to come back to that. But over the next month of his life, what, what should the next month of his life be like? If I was Casey and I had one month, because you really have to be faithful to your wife once you become married. That's a rule that I have. You agree with that, Tom, right? Indeed. But leading leading up to this, he's got to try to pull as much wool as possible. He needs to go out almost every single night. He needs to take it to the BA, have a good time there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open a, a place up after the bachelor party. It's called Tracy's Bar and Grill. Have you guys ever heard of it? No. Oh, it's very nice. Great view. A couple of stripper poles right in the middle. Inviting everybody back uh, to Tracy's Bar and Grill for a good time. Casey, here's the problem. You're drinking. You got a drinking issue, right? Now you're going to go gamble. You got a gambling issue. I mean, come on, man. You're getting married. So let's slow it down. Let's show a little respect for Alexandria. Well, I mean, I think she wants me to have a good time. And I think, you know, that that would be a good time. Getting getting a little couple drinks in me and maybe uh, winning a, a few dollars here and there. I don't know. Well, I'll think- tell you what. I'll, I'm going to bring a lot of $1 bills, boys. And we'll start getting – once it gets about 11 o'clock, we'll start picking up the pace a little bit. You know what I'm saying, Tom? I know what you're saying, Trace. I mean, believe me, I know exactly what you were saying. Um, That gets me to the bachelor party. And I think you've kind of hinted already a little bit about this, but I got to tell you, I am really disappointed at the pace of which Tomas, his best man, has handled this thing. Because, I mean, we're down to really, you're really down to, it's not going to happen this weekend, okay? And then you're really down to about two weekends. Yeah. Because you're not going to do it the week of the wedding. So, you know, this whole thing is really dragged down. I don't know if it at any point in time, starting maybe right now, if you would rather have Tracy put in charge of this rather than Tomas. Ooh. Who is this Tomas J.O.? Who is this guy? (laughs) I mean, how, how long have you been friends with this guy, Casey? Is he a good guy? Um, is he, is he a lot of fun or is he just some dork like the rest of you guys? (laughs) No, no. So he's, he's, uh, he's a, sorry. He is a, uh, friend. He's, he's been one of my, he's been one of my best. Casey, get this out, man. He's just dropped dropped (laughs) stumbling through this. He dropped in one breath. He dropped J.O. and dork. Dorks. <laughs> Dork's a good word. Not used enough anymore. Solid word. That's a generational word. Yeah, I, I, that's a great way to describe him. He, he is a lovable dork, uh, but he is my best man. He is my best friend. Um, known him for a, a long time, uh, very long time. Uh, he's my little brother, but he's actually my big brother. Um, so he uh, he's he's pretty much my brother. Yeah, I would describe him as my brother. So, okay, here's something. Here, let, let's remember, brevity is the soul of wit. Remember that. Mm. Um, he, here's the thing, Alexandria. What is she doing with her bachelorette party? Yeah, Casey, that's question. what you need. Yeah, she already. What's went good on for it. the goose is good for the gander. 
Write she that one it. down. She, 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 she just did, did it. Yeah, she did it this weekend. She went to – or last weekend, I'm sorry. Uh, she went to Na uh, Nashville, and she partied both nights that she was there over the weekend and then came right home. Huh. Had a yeah, really right. good time in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I bet she did. A lot of male strippers. You know, Chippendales originated actually in Nashville. I don't know if you guys ever knew that. Huge uh, – uh, performance as far as Chippendales in Nashville. So I'm sure she hit that. Don't you think, Case? What did she <laughs> say she did down there? Did they go to that street where all the, the honky-tonk joints are and all that kind of thing? I'm pretty sure they did, yeah. I mean, I mean, they, they, went, they went to a few bars, and they went shopping. They, they went crazy. They went, they went crazy. <laughs> they had a great time. I mean, uh... I, I'm just saying I think I should have – the same, if not more, of her budget that she got on this trip, right? I mean, they they went down and they paid for yeah. uh, for uh, B and B and hotels for all the guests. See, but that says more night. about who her maid of honor is, right? And it says a whole lot about your best man in Tomas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. I bet I bet you Alexandria's. Uh, Maid of Honor's a wild one. Is she married? No, she's not married. It's yeah, her, sister. It's her younger sister. Uh, okay, what kind of girl is she? Nice? <laughs> oh, she's nice. She's, she's, she's nice. Alexander. What kind of body? <laughs> what? What kind of body? Uh... Paul, it's a question. Just answer the question. <laughs> what do you mean? This isn't that body? hard. Is she I can't fit? Answer that. Is she not so fit? Yes. I put it in an impossible position here. Yes, she's she's she is uh, she's within your big standards, boned. Tracy. She's within your yeah. standards. She's she's big boned, as they say. No. No. Alexandria says, I didn't pay for a thing the whole weekend. And when this particular question came up, she chimed in with, watch it, watch it. You better look out, Case. You better look <laughs> We're out. We're just kidding around. You know, I want to shift gears now to, um, to uh, something of a more serious note, much more serious note. And that being um, Bryce Harper coming back, the fastest on record. Okay, of anybody they say that has ever returned from Tommy John surgery. Now, he's not a quarterback. I brought up earlier, we were talking about our quarterback who's coming back from uh, elbow surgery and Brock Purdy. Uh, not a pitcher um, where, you know, you're throwing 100 pitches plus in a game, that kind of thing. D does, does a repaired elbow have any effect on your swing? Oh, God. You ask really good questions. Uh, I would think so. <clears throat> I mean, a Tommy John, that takes a whole year to get, to get over, right? You have the surgery and rehab. I don't know. Is it his throwing arm? Because he's a, he's a right fielder. I mean, that, that could probably affect a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and they're going to move into first base. Yeah. Bryce Harper, I'm really, really familiar with Bryce. I saw Bryce play when he was 15 years old. Hunter was at a camp in Southern California. This was when Bryce was a catcher. And they had it, the top players in California. It's kind of an interesting story because it was he was something. Uh, top players in Southern California. 
So the players would take batting practice, fielding position. Well, here comes this, I didn't know at the time, 15-year-old kid from right field with a couple of people. I think one was his dad walking in. They almost cleared the field for Bryce. Bryce got a chance to take 10 swings. He hit five home runs. He threw some balls uh, from the catching position. And I thought to myself, this player is really, really special. Your dad and I talked about it on Brenneman and Jones when he was on the, I think he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated or some some yes. magazine yep. that he was going to be a Hall of Famer. He was a top-notch player when he was 15 years old. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the time that he launched it into the third deck in Tampa Bay, in the Rays yep. Stadium. Yep. And he was just a 16, 17-year-old kid there. But it is going to be interesting to see if he could bounce back. Boy, I'd want him to take at least a couple more weeks or even a month more to get over this. But I'm sure they're going to put him through a little rehab, triple-A, yep. and, and see how he does. But what a player. And a hard-nosed oh, player, too. There's no doubt. I mean, the guy is – if you're going to give somebody a long-term contract, which they did with him, obviously, when they left Washington to come to Philadelphia, uh, you want to sign a game – a guy that you know wants to go to the post – and that includes left-handed batters playing against left-handed pitchers, which brings us to a topic that was brought up earlier today about, you know, T.J. Friedel and Jake Fraley. Just because a left-handed pitcher is on the mound, they're being put on the bench um, to not start a game with a left-hander on the mound. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I was a platoon player, as you know, with Cal Daniels, with Paul O'Neill. The problem with left-handers, Tom, because they don't see them that much, is lefties have trouble against lefties. I always thought it was kind of strange as to why right-handers sat, because we always face right-handers coming up to the minors. But you look at the stats, I mean, right-handers hit left-handers, left-handers struggle against lefties. So I, I kind of like that that move. But okay. some lefties can stay in there. I, I mean, I was I was looking, and, and you don't know this about me, but I'm really kind of a, a stat geek nerd. And I'll tell you two left-handers who hit against left-handers that I played against is Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn. Those guys, it didn't matter. And like I said, I have a lot of time on my hands, and I like to look at stats. Do you know Tony Gwynn's average was 338 lifetime, lifetime, and Wade Boggs was 328. Wade Boggs in four consecutive years hit 368, 357, 363, and 366. I mean, come on, Tom. Yeah. That, that's on. I mean, you talk about lefties hit. Le it didn't matter. No. Right-hander, left-hander, and to play against both those guys. Uh, was a real honor. I, I just thought they were so talented. I always tell the story about Boggs, how I was playing left field in Seattle. Boggs was playing for Boston. He hit me four one-hop line drives. <laughs> if you, oppo, right? I mean, just like he could do it just whenever he wanted to. There's a base hit. I couldn't get to it. Of course, you know, I was a little slow on my feet at that time. But four, he went four for four, four one-hoppers to left field. Crazy. Not, not a Crazy surprise. hit. I mean, you're talking about two of the greatest just pure hitters in the history of the game in Gwynn and oh. Boggs. Not power hitters, but two of the best pure hitters uh, in the history of the sport. Um, there's been a lot of talk, and Paul has brought it up regularly because, you know, he's, he's really paying attention to this stuff, and, and, he's, and he's followed baseball for a long, long time. 
and, and he keeps asking me about it. And look, I didn't play. You played the game, right, Tracy? One of the reasons we have you on. You played the game. I played the game. You know, to, to play in the big leagues, you probably have a better chance of hitting the lottery than playing in the big leagues. We are very special people. Don't ever forget that. I will never forget. I never have forgotten it. But let me ask you this. Tyler Stevenson. Tracy, what's going on with this guy? Is there reason? I don't know. Is there reason to be concerned? It's baseball. It's it's a tough friggin' game. Is it? You know, you look at basketball players. LeBron has a great year every year, right? Tom Brady has a great year every year. But baseball players, man, you could lose it so fast. I'll tell you another guy that's really struggling is Juan Soto with the Padres. Yes, he is. There they talk about talk about one of the greatest young hitters of all time coming up. Uh, and he's not hitting. He's, he's picked it up a little bit, but this is a guy that turned down $440 million and now where? But Stevenson, I keep looking at the box score. They keep moving him down the lineup. He was 0 for 4 last night. Do you think, Very, and, I, and I'm curious to this, you know, they're trying to, there was a lot of talk there, and we know that Joey Votto's in the last year of his deal, and he's not going to come back next year. That I mean, unless some act of God happens, right? And there's been talk, a lot of people want to see Stevenson get moved from behind the plate to first base uh, and all the wear and tear of the catching position and it could slow down his offense and so on and so forth. Do you think, though, that with him showing up to the ballpark, and they tell him the night before. I mean, David Bell's telling him the day before, hey, you're catching tomorrow or you're DH tomorrow or you're playing first base tomorrow. And and that's what, you know, managers are supposed to do. but do you think him not having a regular position, a position he clearly loved or he wouldn't have done it forever behind the plate, could that have anything to do with his, his lack of offense? I think another great question because I always found it tough when you're moving positions. Whether I was playing in the outfield or playing at first base, um, that's why I always give Pete Rose so much credit to play third base, to play second base, first base. Sometimes... It, you start thinking about your position instead of your hitting. So I've seen that affect players, you know, where you move over, let's say you're playing second base and all of a sudden you have to play third base. It can affect your hitting, but I don't think that's what's happening there with Stevenson. I'm gonna have to really watch how he's hitting because he's a really good player. He's a really good young player that you expect to build the organization around, but he is uh, he's having a tough time and it's tough to dig out of it sometimes. Okay. Um, gosh, there was just another thing I wanted to ask you. Okay. I want you to tell me if you were general manager for a day and with all the joking around and the laughing we do and so on and so forth and some of the nonsense stuff. Um, but, I, but, but I've paid attention to some of the things that you have said uh, when it pertains to, you know, contracts and baseball players. Yes. And, 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 yes. and you, you were the first guy now three different times this season that I have thought of when in spring training, Jacob deGrom has to shut it down for a few games because of his arm. He's in a regular season start a couple of weeks ago. All of a sudden, he's got some tightness in his wrist, has to leave the game. Now here a couple of days ago, he's really feeling something in his arm, and they have him shut down right now. This was a guy that was given – He's pitched 244 innings the last three years combined. Combined. 
he's barely averaging, you know, 80 innings per year, right? Okay. Yeah. And when he's, when, he, when he's healthy, he's the best pitcher in the game, and it's not even debatable. His stuff is the best stuff in the game. But the Rangers went out, and I remember you saying, man, I would never give a pitcher a deal like that. But here's where I'm ultimately getting in a long-winded way. If you were a general manager or an owner of a team and the market is taking you in directions where you're giving pitchers these five, six, seven, eight-year contracts, but you don't like those. You've said that before. What is an owner or a general manager then supposed to do? Do they deserve to come under fire for not signing those guys or by not signing them? Do they deserve to come under fire because they didn't sign? I think general managers, <clears throat> excuse me, general managers' job is to put that good, put the best 25-man roster out there. But it's crazy how they're great at spending the owner's money. I would have a real issue. Would they still be spending that money if it was there? I disagree with Hunter Green. I, I don't think they should have signed him to a long-term deal. My blueprint would be the, the, the Rays. The Rays' top player makes $6 million. That's, that's it. I don't like long-term deals with pitchers or even position ballplayers. Here, let me give you another one that's kind of backfiring because he's hurt. Is Aaron Judge, right? He's hurt now. I just I don't want to have a contract where all of a sudden I'm eating $22 million like Moustakis. I mean, how can you do that? $22 million to have him go away. I would have him selling peanuts and beer at the game before I pay, wrote him a check for $22 million. These age, these general managers get into this spending of money. And I guess the new thing is to lock guys up for multiple years like the Braves are doing. So now everybody's going, hey, let's lock these guys up. I just don't see the hurry to signing these guys. You're talking about a veteran guy, but I'm talking about Hunter Green for that long of a time because players and baseball break down. We've talked about this. Give me some long-term deals, Tom, that have worked. How about Homer Bailey? How'd that work? How did the Joey Votto deal work? I mean, I just feel bad for these owners because these general managers love to spend the owner's money. And I, I think I think there's a lot of wasted money. The blueprint is the race. That, that's who you, you, you look at. The farm system, Tom, you talked about developing players. You talk about the scouting. But as far as long-term deals, I don't like them. All right, before we let you go, uh, there are two things I want to ask you about. Number one, Joey Votto. It's going to be July 1st, you figure, at the earliest, Tracy, before he comes back. Um I think a lot of Reds fans were really hoping to see the Joey Votto kind of, you know, uh, goodbye tour this year, and um, they might only get three months of it. Do you think there's any way that 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 um, that Votto says, you know, he goes back on his rehab and he goes down there, and the same thing happens a second time that happens the first time? There, there's zero chance he says I'm done right in the middle of the season, right? None. No, he wouldn't do that. No. He's going to want to try to go out with a bang. And I hope he does. I do too. It, it, it's funny, Tom. I was watching a game that you and Chris Welch were, were broadcasting. This is kind of getting off topic, but it was about Votto. And do you remember when Kevin Lowe, the pitcher, 
was facing Votto, and Votto did not get out of the batter's box. Do you remember that game? Yes, <clears throat> yes. Yep. It was so crazy. He's such a – he's such a – and people can criticize Joey Votto all they want. I have a lot of respect for the guy. Absolutely. He is so friggin' – he is so friggin' disciplined at that play and didn't move out of the batter's box, Tom. And you were broadcast. I'd never seen that. He didn't move. He didn't move his feet. He finally walked on a 3-2 pitch. It was one of the most bizarre at-bats I've ever seen. Yep. But I thought it was so great. You talk about quick in the game. Lowe's throwing fast. Well, Votto's not moving. That's why he wasn't stepping out of the box, because low pitches works quickly. I just I thought it was interesting. I just have a lot of respect for Joey Votto. He's had some great years in Cincinnati. I just hope he goes out with a bang. Last thing I want to ask you about, somebody in here, real estate guru who's relatively new to the uh, chat today, okay. of the thousands that are watching, he says WLW needs to put Tracy Jones back on the air to save the station. Is there any chance, yay or nay, of that occurring? Not a chance. Not a chance. I love WLW. I'm fine um, where I'm at. I like doing the show with your dad. Okay. That's what I like. All right. Okay. And one All more right. stat, Tom. Can I can I give you a geeky stat? Now, yeah. Here's the two nerds. I mean, you're right breaking out the all the artillery today. You got JOs, you got dork, you got geeks, you got nerds, you nerds. got it all going. So please keep it going. <laughs> Very limited vocabulary. <laughs> okay. The guy who's made the most errors in the history of the major leagues. And don't Google it. Please don't Google it. I won't. What's it? Do you know who it is? His name is Herman Long. 13 years in the big leagues. Are you guys ready for this? How many errors do you think he made in 13 years in the big leagues? You ready? Yeah. 1,070. Oh, that's not good. How is that possible? He's averaging 82 errors a season. Here's the kicker. He actually, his fielding percentage was higher than most of the shortstops in the big leagues. What kind of baseball did they play back in the 19, early 1900s? What, what, what is that, Tom? Well, you got to ask the question, though, Tracy. What kind of fields did they play on? Oh, it's not point. like these prima donnas like you where everything's got to be perfect and, you know, <laughs> the Southern California grass in San Diego. Right. And, you know, it's like that, right? Perfect, right? Yeah. They're not playing. It's cut the same way, cut differently. Yeah, That's I know. Right. That's right. And you but that's have, a lot we, we have one thing for you, Tracy. Uh, Casey, please. Play, play the music. Here we go. Here it's we go. It's time to guess that player with friend of the show, first pick in the MLB draft, kind of, an overall good guy, Mr. Tracy Jones. All right, Tracy, we got three hints for you today. All right, let's do it. First one. He's a three-time All-Star and a two-time Silver Slugger. This is a former teammate of Tracy Jones. For, former teammate of Tracy Jones. That's right. For people listening on podcasts, we are doing Guess That Player with Tracy Jones. Can I hear that question again? Yeah. So your first hint, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger. Okay. Will Clark. Not Will Clark. Second hint's going to be a pretty good hint, so I was waiting to see if maybe you could have gotten it off the rip. Dave Parker. 
No, I'll no, give you. Come I'll, on, Dave Parker went to about forty All Star games. Go ahead. I'll give you oh, one more should... guess before I give you the second hint, because you should get it after yeah. the second hint. I didn't get it off the first one, but I got it off the second one. Reed gave this to me. One more guess. Three time All Star, yep. two time Silver Slugger. One more guess. One second. Edgar Martinez. No. Ooh, good guess. All right, ready? Yeah. His son hit the same number of career home runs. Oh, that's Cecil Fielder. Yeah, that's right. Cecil Fielder. You yeah. get that one right off yeah. the rip. There he is. There's his baseball yeah. reference page. Big Cecil Tom, Fielder. Great. Got some guy. highlights here for you. Oh. He was a heck of a guy, man. He he was a great guy. Yep. And I rem I remember seeing Prince in the locker room. Here's this big tub of goo coming in. You would never think that he would become a, a, a great hitter as well, like his dad. I've known Cecil since his days of, of playing high school baseball. Uh, he's a really good guy. Yes, Had a very is. attractive wife, by the way. <laughs> well, thanks for that tidbit. All right, Tracer. Uh, Tracy, I am not going to be here on Thursday. Uh, I I'm getting ready to start the whole uh, – graduation from high school process with Luke. So we've got this big awards thing uh, for his high school on Thursday. So I will not be here. Uh, so I hope you have a great rest of your week. So is Luke getting a trophy? He'll, he'll probably be getting a few trophies. Uh, you know, now what is good in the classroom, yeah, good in, uh, in the community, good in the uh, athletic field. Thank God. For now, what will, you, what will you do with that trophy? Will you put it on the mantle on the fireplace? Because I know, and will, will your dad be gone? And both of you guys can take a look at that trophy because I know neither one of you guys got a trophy from playing sports. You probably got participation trophies. Luke is a good player. He's very athletic. The, the grandpa and dad, not so much. Well, and we're both comfortable with that charge, and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Tracer, have a good rest of your day, man. Good to see you, bro. All right. All, All right. right. See you, boys. Tracy you, Jones, Tracy. kind see enough Tracy. to join us. All right. Um, do we have a cherry on top or no? We, we do. do. All right. We, we actually, back-to-back -back days, we're going to have a good one today, good one tomorrow. Yeah. All right. This is, uh, just thought this was kind of, kind of a good one. This is the uh, get the call from the Bengals. Was this, I believe this was the punter from Michigan, right? Yes. The punter from Michigan who thought it was a prank call. Oh, or at least it sounded Brad, like it. This is Zach Taylor at the Bengals. Oh, Zach Taylor, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. You want to come be a Bengal? Oh, absolutely. All right, we're going to draft you right here. Oh, yes, sir. Appreciate that. You're up in Columbus right now? Yeah, I'm up in Columbus. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you, and we're going to put the pick in right now, and then we'll be in touch with you later. Holy shit. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Brad. <laughs> All right, we might have to edit that out on the video, but that's great, man. I'm fired up that you're fired up. <laughs> Thank you. Fired up. Thank you. And now that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And before we go, we got to get your your opinion here. We had two super chats come through. OJ's Bronco was the first one. He said Rose Vado for $2. And then Chad Waits. Says Votto over Rose. Hashtag not cutter nation for ten dollars. Okay, well thank you gentlemen for having that in there. Am I supposed to react to either one of those or no? 
just give a quick, quick, quick opinion. Votto Votto I take Rose over Votto all day, every day. Not even debatable. Not even debatable. That's all we need to hear. That's right. Plays everywhere. Plays every day. The most hits of any player in the history of Major League Baseball. The most runs scored. The most wins. For all team sports. And that's the one record Pete will tell you. He's the most proud of. In the history of team sports. He has more wins than any player in any sport ever. End of story. Is that Votto's fault? No, that's not his fault. All right. Uh, Tracy, Paul, nicely done. That would also be Casey over there. What did I, I say? I, uh, Tracy, it's all right. Well, my friends call me Tracy. Tracy. You can't tell the difference between those two. It's, it's hard right. to. My, my closest friends call me Tracy. That's so okay. It's... All right. All right. Well, Casey, Paul, nice to see you guys. Tracy Jones, Paul Doherty, thank you. All of you in the chat, thank you. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. James Rapine will be here to talk about the Bengals, working on a couple of other things tomorrow as well. And Paul's even working on something come Friday. I'm not here Thursday on the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, trying to get somebody lined up for the Derby. We're not doing not too picky today. I'm gonna We're going to have a conversation about that. Just make sure a couple of people we're, we're looking at for the Derby for Friday. Okay. So. All right. We'll see. Okay. All right. Guys, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.